Abba Yahweh, thank you for this time, this opportunity again for my brothers and sisters. They that have an ear to let them hear, Father God, to be able to take your knowledge and your wisdom for its purpose, its intent, to get them up and out and be bold and courageous, Father God. For it's your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom, your treasury that you share through me, a conduit, Father God, merely a conduit that you use for your purpose to deliver the truth, Father God, to give everyone an opportunity. Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Parakritos, Aman. So, brothers and sisters, I have to remind you again of the possibility of my becoming very verbose and sharing and going at length. But the good news that you have is this platform, brothers and sisters, that Lord has found and have me to utilize. I have an hour time limit for podcasting. And then it just shuts off. So I haven't quite reached that yet. Gotten pretty close a couple times. But brothers and sisters, it's important for you to understand that that this truth, this knowledge and wisdom that that God brings to me and allows me, gives me the privilege and honor to share with you, is his truth, knowledge, and wisdom. This isn't about me. This is about him and Jesus Christ. And we know what happened to Jesus Christ when he came and tried to share and deliver the truth. The arrogant Sanhedrin would come and they would take him to task or attempt to. And many times that he just simply walked away and their eyes were closed and they had no idea where he went. Uh, that would have been fun to be one of his disciples around there then and see that happen. But in reality, it happens now, too. And here's a couple of interesting aspects that I want to go to. I'm going to share this with you first, too. Yesterday, um, and this is important, we've been talking about being engaged and fully engaged with God. And that includes communication back and forth, our prayer time and staying in prayer with him and staying in communication, allowing him to do his leading and his his bidding because he will lead us and guide us through the Holy Spirit. Yesterday I intended to um, deliver message a bit differently and therein is the key. I intended to deliver differently. Except that when I started to, the Lord allowed certain things to take place and interrupted, and I had to re-record. And you know what? Being fully engaged with my Father God and having the communication with Him and having the trust and faith in Him that I do, more so than the auto mechanic, airplane pilot, and those things that in the world of mammon, we have such an easy time trusting and putting our faith into, but we have a hard time in putting faith and trusting in in God, pardon me. Um, And here's the funny thing about that again, is I have heard people say, well, I have a hard time believing in God or, or having trust in God or faith in God because I can't see him. 
Let me share it again. You will trust a pilot that you don't watch flying an airplane. And you will trust that the airplane mechanics and technicians are doing what they were supposed to have done. And you don't ever see them do it. And you trust that they've done this thing in order to keep that airplane that you and your entire family are getting on is going to stay airborne. And you trust them. And you trust your auto mechanic that despite the fact that you're not allowed for insurance reasons to go into the garage and watch the auto mechanic perform the task that you requested and been billed for. And simply because it's on a piece of paper, you trust that they did it. I, I just find it absolutely fascinating that people will come up with that excuse. Can't see them, so how am I supposed to trust them and believe them? That's, that's kind of sorrowful, but I am thankful that I trust my God and have faith in him, believe him, believe that the detour is the road and there are things that take place. I shared with you on my work schedule that day that there was a delay, and rather than getting all agitated and, and just following that circle around, when I got down the road, there had been a terrible accident. It was on both sides of a bridge. Had I not been on that detour, had I not been delayed, and had I not gone around, I would have been on that bridge at that time and been involved. The Lord walks before and shields, guides, and protects. My faith is in Abba Yahweh, Father, maker of all things made. I have no problem in the trust and faith in that. And he has showed me too many times, too many times. And he shares with me the things that are around David wrote about it. It's been in Isaiah and, and all through the word. Talks about the majesty and the glory. And I've shared with you Joy to the World, that song. Why is that a Christmas song? Because some guy decided it should be for Christmas only. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Joy to the Lord. The Joy to the world. The Lord will come. I mean, this is a prayerful tune. Let heaven and nature sing. Let heaven and nature sing. Repeat the sounding joy. And David wrote about that in the Old Testament. It's got nothing to do with Christmas. It's a prayerful song singing out that the world would be a joyful place. That Jesus Christ did come. That Jesus Christ is coming. And heaven and nature sing. Rocks, fields, plains, and hills. Rock hill, I can't remember the verse. Rock hills, plains, and streams, oceans. I mean, everything out there cries, glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. So brothers and sisters, we have all these things, this Things that can be seen that you can you can ask for the scales to be removed from your eyes so you can see these things. And I, brother and sister, is so oh man, it's it's incredible. But the message that I was going to share 
and having been engaged with God and that he detoured me, interrupted that and had me take a different route and come to you differently because I had intended to deliver a message differently that was too much of an I platform. And this is not about me. This is about Abba, Yahweh, maker of all things made. Firstly, his gospel. The good news that God, our Father, is sovereign and that he loves to communicate with us. He loves to talk with us. <laughs> and then secondly, and not necessarily in numerical order, but you know that they're a triune spirit. And then we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. His life that was written by his disciples, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. And then, of course, you have the book of Revelation, Jesus Christ, that was written by John. John on the island of Patmos. And the relationship that Jesus Christ had on this earth with individuals as the man that he was, that he came to be, to be fully engaged with the people here. And that he had earthly relations. He did. He had brothers and sisters. He had a cousin. John the Baptist, the man who baptized him, who declared him, Behold the Lamb of God, whose sandals I am not worthy to latch. When he came to the river to be baptized by John and witnessed the this Holy Spirit from God our Father come down, descend on him as a dove, and then the voice from heaven, Behold my Son in whom I am well pleased. Witnessed by his cousin. And then his earthly brother. Brothers and sisters, this is something that, that individuals have a hard time because they don't have the engagement with God, first of all, that is important that we do have. And secondly, they, they don't lean in and they don't listen to the truth and they don't stay in the word and they don't study. Those are the, some of the ones that I've shared with you about firmly. And for those that of you that, and I share this often, if you seek offense, you will find offense. If you want to be offended by what I'm saying, you will be offended. And sometimes when an individual becomes offended, I have to do an inward searching because if I find it offensive, I try to throw out these little bullet prayers. I've shared those with you before that, that uh, I try to remember to share out these bullet prayers. The bullet prayers are just a rapid fire, quick shot. Holy Spirit, guide my thought, my tongue, keep me from hurting somebody or, or uh, you know, just really quick. And situations happen sometimes rapid fire here, but if I find something offensive, then I have, uh, I ask the Holy Spirit to search me and make sure that I'm just not finding the offense in it. And if it is offensive to 
guard my tongue so that I don't say something vile back to that person. I, that's not, but the, see, this is the heart of mammon. If someone says or does something mean, spiteful to any of us, our first inclination is to be mean and spiteful back. However, the word of God says we are not to do that. We are not to retort in kind to them. Here's something that that I remembered, and, and the father helped me remember that this came from my earthly father, and this was something that he always did. And the Holy Spirit guided my thought process through this, that it is the same thing with the word of God. <laughs> Pardon me, and same thing with our words. My father taught me from a young age, and I try to remember to do this, if I borrow something from someone, a tool, no matter what it is, if I borrow something from them, it doesn't matter if they gave it to me and it was rusty and dirty. When I return it to them, I return it better than I got it. I return it to them clean, oiled, wiped off, shiny, looking like it might be new. And he always, my earthly father was always like that. Any time he borrowed anything at all and wasn't doing that very often. And he was very ready to loan anything. And it, he always returned it cleaned, polished, oiled. Never returned anything at all that required any kind of fuel or anything in it. Diminished, he always returned it full. So, brothers and sisters, sharing that with you for this, when you have somebody come at you and they give you some mouthful of expletives or something that's mean or nasty and derogatory, it's not, they're not, <laughs> it's a loan, brothers and sisters. And, and this is something that I, I still pray through because sometimes it's hard for me, is that, I want to retort and and take it even as a personal deal. It's not personal. Maybe they intended for it to be, but brothers and sisters, they don't even know you. So how is it going to be a personal assault? We can't take it that way. So when we return the words to them, return it with kindness. But here's the thing that you have to remember too also is that you pray for them but don't be a wiseacre about it and don't sit there like a, you, you can't. And, and the word of God says this specifically. You don't bless them. And this is why. Because you don't know the character of their heart as a, as a might be a very wicked, evil, nasty, devil-driven, manipulated puppet. And if you ask God to bless them, then you're asking God to bless them for their wickedness and to, so you, you don't do that. You can be apologetic. You can be kind to them. You can't give them the opportunity and you don't give back to them what they gave you, filthy, nasty, and dirty. You give it back to them clean and polished and full of joy, hope, and happiness. You say something like, Wow, I'm I'm sorry that you seem to be so upset and that it would be at me, but uh, I'll pray for you. 
I'll pray for your day to, to improve and everything be good for you. And simply like that. But you don't say things. And this is, this is how I've heard, I've heard Christians, so-called Christians, alleged Christians, secular Christians, SpongeBob Christians will say things like, oh, well, God bless you too. Or, well, God bless your day. No, 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 because then you're, you're being spiteful. You're not putting the word out there as it's intended for, for goodness, kindness, and love. You're using it in a spiteful context, and you're turning the word into whether your intention for that is not, but your, your heart. Remember, God reads your heart. And when you return phrases like that, you're using the word of God as a curse. Stop it, brothers and sisters, if you are guilty of that. If you're not, then don't bother with it. Don't be offended by that. And if you are doing it, then knock it off. Remember I shared this with you too? If the shoe fits, wear it. And if you are doing that very thing, I and I had, I had uh, an incident that I'm going to share with you. Let's get anecdotal again. I had an incident where this woman came on and was trying to, I hate to use a term, but this is, so you understand, was a, quite a whack job. Um, and being protective of others, I was not allowing this person to interact with anybody else. And, and actually had... And, uh, you know, she began using and very specific. And she said, and the blood of Jesus Christ be on you, you filthy. And then right on top of saying that, started cursing and, and expertise and utilizing the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God who came and sacrificed himself. And that blood was shed so that everyone had the opportunity to be saved, to believe on him, have faith in God, and go to our home in heaven. She tried to use the blood of Jesus Christ as a curse on me. Well, it backfired greatly. <laughs> We don't do that. We don't do, we don't use the Holy Spirit as a curse. We don't use God's name as a curse. We don't take God's name as an oath. The Bible is very specific. You don't make an oath through God's name. The oath is the oath on, unto itself. And you can ask for God's strength in order for you to fulfill an oath, but you don't swear by him. And you don't utilize the name of Jesus Christ or use anything, his, the, the um, representation of his sacrifice, his crucifixion. You don't use that as a curse. But when people come with cursory expletives and come at you harshly, return those words that are being loaned to you better than they came to you. Return them clean polished, shiny, so shiny, bright with the love of God that they blind those individuals. And that's what we're called to do, brothers and sisters, the light of Jesus Christ to be in us, guided by the Holy Spirit to shine out. This is a very dark place that we live in. And 
there are individuals out there that walk through life with rose-colored glasses on. And that's okay. I don't know you. Some of you I know personally, and I will never utilize your name because that would be a very judgmental thing for me to do, to come out there and then have other people to um, take sides or what have you. And, and that's not for anybody to be utilized as an example like that. The Holy Spirit will deal with each individual. And it's not for me to judge anyone in that manner. This is why I I have to pray as a as a warrior class individual. <laughs> and I am, brothers and sisters. I spent, I've shared with you before. I spent quite a long time in the Marine Corps for this country. And um, didn't stay longer. And I've, I've shared some things with you that my path was not meant to go into death at that time. And... At that time, when I was in, quite a long while ago, there were women that were not specifically assigned to combat theaters as a incombatant. Inadvertently, they may have become that way, but, and today you have women that are in specific combat roles. The, the role for a female in the military has changed dramatically for this country, where there were other countries where women were combatants for had been for decades. This country did not allow our women to do that. And there were a whole bunch of women that got all uppity about that for other reasons, but that's changed here. And now there are women that are combatants, but I, I share that because they all deserve our prayers and all are sacrificing. And um, for the longest time, and this is Part of the thing that I, I have issues with and why the demons like to come and play with my head at nighttime or when I'm alone. And they try to take me into areas of darkness because I had all my friends, well, not all of them, but many that I shared a deployment with and, and had been stationed with. And, and I thought we were all going to go and we were going to go to Beirut, Lebanon and be deployed there together as a unit, but that didn't happen. And then when, uh, oh, what was that old guy's name? Oh, Ayatollah Khomeini. When he was all agitated at the Shah and our, uh, in Lebanon at that time, uh, attacked the embassy of Beirut and blew it up and attacked and assaulted. And I had a number of my compatriots that were stationed with me that were killed there. And I, God deals with my head and my heart and, and in that combatant attitude that I have. And, and I, um, for the longest time, was uh, had a whole lot of anger and responded that way. And here's something else I've shared with you, brothers and sisters, that God is the greatest recycler ever. And if you're offended by that terminology, think about it. Think about it before you get all your knickers in a twist. Think about this. God makes all things new. He repairs broken hearts. He changes attitudes. And if you repent to God for any action, he forgives you and he adjusts your walk. <coughs> the path that you might be walking on is 
crumbling and falling apart up there. So he takes you on a detour around it so that you don't, don't become injured for any reason, mentally, heart-wise. And he recycles things. Is that not what a recycler does? When you take things to be recycled, these old vessels and this old material is put through this great process and it's made into something new. God does that with us all the time, brothers and sisters. So for Pete's sake, is he not the greatest recycler ever? Actually, God showed people how to do it, just like he does with everything else, but yet mammon take it about, oh yeah, we're gonna be the we're gonna start recycling. And this is why they all went into the plastic. However, take a look around what mammon has done with that idea. Doesn't that work great? The oceans are polluted and filled with so much plastic that was supposed to be better for the world and our stewardship of this planet has fallen through they have constantly, they have crews and divers and people that just find it happen where creatures have swam into these doggone uh, six-pack plastic thing. They've even stopped making those anymore because they were ending up in the ocean and you have animals that swim in and get stuck in them and then they start to grow as they normally do and it starts cutting into their skin. They've had people found these things and creatures that have been bound by all these things that were supposed to be recyclable and reusable end up in the trash garbage all over the streets and in our oceans and in our waters. People just don't care. Now they're digressing back to what it was before plastic. They have this outfit that now they're going to mail you this kit and it's no longer plastic. It's gla they're glass. Wow. I, you know, they go in full circle around this. and But God is the greatest recycler and he makes all things new all the time. Here's the other important aspect of this that I share this with you, brothers. And sisters, pardon me, a little sip of coffee there. God recycles us. He does not reject anyone that comes to him and says, God, forgive me. I do believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten son. I want to have faith in you and I want the Holy Spirit to guide my life from now on. God will say, you know what? Get away from me. I've watched what you've done. God will not do that ever. He doesn't. God will say, talk to me. You confess to him. You repent to him and he will grab you, pull you in and give you a hearty fatherly hug. Then he will stretch you back at arm's length and look at you, smile and bend down and kiss you on the neck and says, I love you, period. And then there's rejoicing in heaven, unbelievable rejoicing. It says that the house in heaven rejoice at the return of one lamb. And this is the thing that people can't get in their mindset is that they get confused about this. But here's the thing too, brothers and sisters, we have been referred to as the sheep. Jesus Christ is our shepherd. We know his voice only if you have spiritual hearing and the spiritual sight, you will see the things around you in the world and wonder at the marvelous and the glory of God, the father who made it all. You'll hear his voice and you will know and follow him.
And there is great rejoicing because he will come and find that one. That one. And I love the song that the, this young artist sings. Um, I can't recall her name, and I'm going to look it up and find it because I think it's a beautiful, beautiful song. And um, she sings, it's called The Rescue. And if none of you have heard this song, <laughs> then you need to hear it. It's beautiful. There's another one here by a, a group called Cain called Rise Up. It's, it speaks of hearing Jesus call us out from this tomb that we've established. I've shared that with you before. The tomb that we put ourselves into is our comfort zone. We are content to sit back in the easy chair, pull the lever and throw our feet up. Or uh, we declare ourselves having been retired from the earthly workforce that we're retired and we're just going to kick back and fish and do all these things that are comfortable and we don't share the word. However, there are those that when they go out and do these retired things, they share the word whenever they can. They're constantly sharing the word, beautiful people, and that's what we're supposed to do. But there are others that when they retire, they retire from everything. And they think that there's retirement from sharing the word of God. So they sit back in the chairs. Ah, it's Lauren Daigle. Sorry, Lauren. But it's called The Rescue. It's a beautiful song because it speaks to God's intent and his purpose and his promise to us that he will come and rescue us. He will. And the darkest of darkness in the deepest fight, he will rescue. He promises to do that. And remember that when the prophet and his young protege were on the run, run and they were in uh, the city of Tebir, and they were surrounded by armies, armies, multiple, and they were surrounded. And the young man, he was so frightened and so afraid. And God was asked to allow him to see what his teacher was seeing. Because he was able to see into the spiritual realm because God, for his purpose, allowed that to be a gift for him. So he knew what was there. And the young man went out on the balcony and looked out and he knew that the city was surrounded and he was so worried that they were going to die and this and that and this and that and this and that. But yet when he looked out, <coughs> he saw that those armies, armies, were surrounded. They were surrounded by horses and chariots and warriors that were on fire yet not consumed, on fire with heavenly flame the hosts of heaven came to rescue. God promises. But in order to see and hear and know these things, brothers and sisters, we have to be engaged with God. We have to be in communication with God. We have to have faith in God, Jesus Christ. In the first epistle, 
of John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifest, so we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light and he is the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ and his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. That's important, brothers and sisters, because quite honestly, there's a whole bunch of those that have deluded, polluted, and made the word Christian so that it's lost its strength, and the salt of the earth has lost its savor. Why? Because of this very thing. This very thing I shared with you that John wrote about and declares and is true today as it was when he wrote it. There are those out there that declare themselves they don't have any sin, so they haven't done anything. They've been good to people. And that may be very well be so. Maybe they've been a good person 99% of their life. So they think that there's no reason for them to repent or no reason for them to go to church and pray, I'm a good person. Well, that's not going to get you into heaven. That in and of itself is not going to get you there. God may be appreciative of what you're doing, but until you confess to him that you are a sinner and you've learned sin, and you reflect back in your walk in your life, Maybe there's something not quite so, you didn't hurt anybody, really, or you didn't think that you did, but maybe one of the repercussions of this bargain through your business that you did was hurtful to somebody in their, in their personal business and they lost it that you don't know about. They lost everything that they had or owned or were starting to do because of the specific relationship that you had with another company. You don't know that didn't happen. You just did this and it wasn't exactly the best option, but you thought it was because you were going to make a bundle. <coughs> so you did. And they lost their business. 
They lost their livelihood. They couldn't send their kid, finish sending their kid to college. These sort of things are what I'm talking about, brothers and sisters, but simply because you do good and kind things for people and to people, you make donations and all this, but until you confess and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and say that, God, I want you to guide my walk through the Holy Spirit, I want to have faith in you. I don't see you, but I want to have faith in you because you tell me it's the, you're here, and I want to believe that. You change your life. That's all the word repent means is to change your direction, change your mind. That's all the word means. It doesn't require a great big fanfare. It doesn't require a revival tent. It doesn't require all kinds of pomp and circumstance in a church. And You can do it by yourself. Brothers and sisters, as I share these words with you, you can just bow your head and talk to God and say, you know what, I'm hearing what my brother is saying, Father, and I want to change my direction. I want to repent that whatever I've done and some things, Father, I can't remember, but I want to believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten Son, that he came to wash and cleanse me. I want to have faith in you. I want the Holy Spirit to guide my walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And that's all it is, brothers and sisters. That's all you have to do. And then start searching the word, seek his truth, seek his knowledge, seek his way, and give up on mammon. Because let me tell you what, this world is all about doing its own thing. I'm going to jump on this platform that I I get onto, and, and the Lord allows me. He didn't allow it yesterday because it was not a good direction. And that's okay. I had no problem with that. See, this is something that I've had to repent of too because there was, and, the, and trust me in this too, that the enemy tried to get me agitated, upset, and all wrapped around this, oh, what, now God thinks you're a dummy, you can't do things on your own. That's correct. I can't do things on my own. And I thanked God for changing the direction yesterday. And that's okay because he knows my heart, he knows my mind, and he knows these words are his and it's his purpose. But here's the thing that I share with you about some of the things that are going on around us and these things that it's very egregious in what these politicians are portraying and putting out there and they're using fear as a driving force and making people fearful. Okay, and there's people, (coughs) and I've shared this, maybe I haven't actually, that there are individuals that I know that are in in, uh, in the health industry in one aspect or another. And because they're being told certain things that they do what they're told to do. And they're doing it and things are being told to them that are not truthful. <clears throat> I have medical information that's been shared with me with actual medical professionals that are in the inner circle, if you will, and they've actually put their hands on on things that are going on. And what is going on in this world is based entirely on a lie. False evidence appearing to be real. Let me share this knowledge that I, I have, and this has been something that I've had learned about in, in a different walk of my life. These things that are being told are based on false evidence. 
and they're making it appear to be real and they're using fear as a driving force. And this is just purely food for thought and you need to pray about this and I'm not judging anyone for their decision or what they do. I'm just saying, brothers and sisters, be prayerful to this. Be mindful of God and ask the Holy Spirit's guidance because things that are being told to people are not what they seem to be. That's all I'm, I'm saying, brothers and sisters. Just be mindful that things are not what they seem to be. Satan is a liar. That's one of his pseudonyms. And he uses fear as a manipulative tool. It's a powerful tool, brothers and sisters. It is a powerful tool. It is something that is used, and it's probably, uh, well, it is. It's, it's more powerful than, than um, you know, when you ask somebody to do something and you do it in a kind way or something, they may decide to do it or not to do it. I've shared this with you before. And they may decide to do it or not in that decision. But if you make them fearful, if you make them fearful, then they're afraid that if they don't do it, that something really terrible is going to happen. And then you get their cooperation. And that is exactly what I see that's going on around us in the world today. That fear is being used to drive folks. It's being used to get people to go in the direction that they want them to go. It's a driving force. And it saddens me greatly to see that people become so frightened that they, they do these things. And I find it absolutely abhorrent that we have those who have taken an oath to protect and serve the constituents and what that means is the people that are in districts of the, of these elected officials that they have sworn that they are going to protect and take care of them, and yet they don't. <clears throat> and this agenda is a much deeper and darker agenda, brothers and sisters. I share this with you, and this isn't the truth, that this agenda that they are claiming to have is far deeper and darker than what anyone can imagine. It's also in the word of God. And it's been prophesied. So I don't have fear over this. I don't have fear because it's God's word has already spoken this to me. And I share this with you, brothers and sisters, that you need to seek his truth and seek his word and knowledge and wisdom over that of mammon. And this is what we need to be aware of. We have to be in this. And remember too, brothers and sisters, Paul wrote this in his letters, that we have to be strong in faith, strong in that, because God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gives us a 
spirit of power and strength. And all we have to do is call out. And remember, I have shared with you, brothers and sisters, that the power of the mind and the power of thought is a very powerful thing. I'm going to share this with you here. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting at verse 3. I've shared this with you before. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Are we looking at things around us as the way that they appear in our eyes? Or are we having faith in God that whatever direction he's taking us the detour is that path that we need to be on and trusting him that whatever he does <laughs> and in Ephesians 118 like the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That's you and me, brothers. We're incidentally in the word. We're the saints. We're the believers. We're the ones who pray and stay in our faith to God. We are called the saints. Whenever that that word is used in the Bible, it's never used singularly. The saint prayed, and this would happen. It's never used singularly. It's the saints. We are called to pray one for another. And we are to keep each other in prayer. We're to do so constantly. Paul exhorts us to do so constantly. And that we need to believe in that thing. In his letter to the Colossians, in chapter 2, verse 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiment of the world and not after Christ. And that's the way it is in this world is that they, they're a vain glory and they're, I am a self-made man. I am a self-made woman. No, you're not. There is no such thing. Somewhere along the person's walk, someone helped them. Someone gave them a lift up. Someone loaned them 10 bucks, 20 bucks, $5. Then they turned around and invested it. And they be continued investing. And it just grew from there. No one is self-made. Along the way, they have assistants. They have helpers that run their errands and do things that they can apply more of their time into what it is that they're so hard driving for this temporal plane of existence and that they are so into that and so then they start declaring themselves to be self-made. What about those people that help them get to where they are? Brothers and sisters, don't be deceived by any of these people. And these people, they get up on these stages and they make money (laughs) 
for being these inspirational speakers. They get money handed to them for getting up and coming to their, their companies and giving inspirational speeches. And sadly, most of those are all about me, 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 what I did, what I did, and what I found out to be, and what I blah, 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 blah. Or depending on sometimes it's yada, yada, yada. Um, that was a joke, by the way. Um, but here's the thing. They rarely, not always, but rarely do you have an individual get up and say, you know, I really want to share with you that for, for, my, for my being, that God is really important. And that if you accept Jesus Christ and have faith in God, I mean, he's been with me every step of my life and, and led me. And there were decisions that I made that were really bad, but he has allowed me to be successful and to do what I'm doing. And in doing so, he's only asked that I share the gospel. And that's the good news that he lives and he promises us things and he wants us to thrive. He, he doesn't want us just merely to be here. He wants us to thrive in our walk. And so I keep my part of the bargain because he is delivered to me constantly. And I see this all the time. Rarely will you see an individual get up on a stage and do that as an inspirational speaker. I don't want to say that it's never done because that would be contrary to truth. And the truth is that there are individuals that do that and have done that. But sadly, the great percentage is been given the truth and they get up there and they it's it's all about me. It's self-centered and it's all about what they did and what they do and what they've made and how much money they give. And it goes on and on about the charities they share with and how if you want to be able to uh, give to charities like that. You have to do what I did or be like I am or was. And and then you can give as much as I give. Well, brothers and sisters, that's how it is in this world. You need to remove your rose-colored glasses. You need to see in truth and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and the steps of your walk. And that what he says is that truth. And in 1 John chapter 3, this is, this is important. Verse 17, but whoso hath, <laughs> pardon me, but whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. 
And brothers and sisters, we can't always give and share. We don't always have that. And if I don't have it, I tell them, I said, I'm really sorry, but, you know, and, and as a matter of, of habit for me, I don't carry cash and money when I'm on the job. I just don't. And, well, there's been people assaulted and robbed, so I just don't. <laughs> and I've had people that come and say, look, I know I'm not supposed to, but, you know, I said, look, if you need something, you ask me, it's okay. And I tell them. And if they ask me for that, I said, look, as a rule, I don't carry cash and I don't carry money on the job. But if I had it, I would share it with you. I would gladly give it to you. A couple of weeks ago, I, I had told a person that I didn't have anything. And then all of a sudden, I, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in the world and he, in my ear. And he says, remember, you do. You don't have it, but it's in your bag. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I went, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't go away, don't go away. And I went in my bag. And I had, I did, I had cash. And as a rule, I don't carry it. But I had done, I had bought something and I was on, anyway, I wound up with change. And I came back and I, I pressed this into, you know, I pressed it into his hand. I said, I'm sorry, I, I forgot I had this. And he was, he was, <laughs> It was nearly in tears, but you know what, brothers and sisters, if you don't have it and you tell them that, you're not being deceitful. But if you have it and you lie to them and they need something, and here's the other thing too that I do, that that God's given this to me. This is a gift of God's. And quite honestly, sometimes it it hurts in my heart. And he knows that, but he also carries me through that portion but he's given me this uh, discernment ability, and it's a good thing. I I love it. <coughs> Pardon me. I am sorry about that. He's given that to me, and it's good. But the point that I'm making is that you can ask the Holy Spirit to do that. I have I have learned through time, and also having been an, uh, an alcoholic, because I am an alcoholic, and and trust me when I say this: once an alcoholic, you are always an alcoholic. It's kind of like once a marine, always a marine. You're not, you can't say I'm no longer an alcoholic because that was in your system. It was part of you. God has recycled me and he took that away from me. And I've actually been, I don't even, I don't even, I haven't even had a sip of wine for goodness gracious forever. I can't remember the last time I had a sip of wine. And the Bible actually says don't drink to drunkenness, but that wine is good for your digestion. But the point that I'm trying to make here, brothers and sisters, is that you can ask for this. And, and my ability is that if somebody comes to me and they're absolutely going to use the money for drinking and for not what they tell me they are, I can smell the alcohol exuding from their pores. And I know that they've been drinking a lot, whether they're sober or not. But I know that that is in their blood because I can smell it on them. Many people can't, and that's just, that's truth. You can't smell it unless they spill it on their clothes, but you can smell it come through their pores if they are indeed like I was. And that's something I learned having been an alcoholic. But at any rate, I tell them, I said, 
you're hungry, I'll come, I'll, come on, I'll get you food. And immediately they become angry, aggressive, their tonation is totally changed. Oh, God bless you, brother, if you can spare anything, I'm really hungry. I said, well, come on, let me feed you. Come on, let's get you food. And then their demeanor totally changes. It's a God bless you if they get what they want, but then it's a curse if you don't give them the money because the money they want to go in and get drink or they want to get the other. But for you to provide them the, the very thing that they're begging for, food, man, I haven't eaten in a couple days, I'm really hungry. Okay, come on in, let's get you food. Oh, what, you don't believe me? And then I've looked them right in the eye. I said, no, sir, I don't believe you because I can smell it on you. I'm an alcoholic. And that thing that you try to hide from everyone else, I smell it on you. I smell it. And then, they're, 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 then their demeanor changes again. And they just walk away. But they're angry because I didn't give them the money, which I knew was what they were going to use it for anyway and not for food. The Holy Spirit will guide you in truth and righteousness in all things, brothers and sisters. We can ask for that guidance. But if you have that money on your person and you have somebody that comes and is truthfully in need, don't judge them for being in need for what they are. I have run into many people through my life and this one woman that my mom used to take into the house and share with her and we all, you know, we used to back in those days, we called them bag ladies, but this lady was never filthy, dirty, nasty and living in the bushes. This woman was well cared for. She was taken care of. She just was out walking around all day long, every day, constantly. But my mom stepped out and she talked with her. And invited her in. This woman loved tea. And that's all my mom did is offered her a cup of tea. And then my mother found out where she was. She was actually in a care home. And in those days, they used to disguise them as houses. They weren't like they are now institutions. But the woman was being cared for. And the other thing that my mother did in her research and taking her home one day and talking to the caregivers and all this, this woman was a multimillionaire. Nobody came to visit her. No family came to visit her. Nobody cared anything that she was in this institution, this, this home, <clears throat> until she passed away. <clears throat> Once she passed away, then everybody came out of the woodwork and they wanted all a piece of that inheritance that they thought they had coming. But yet they came never to see her. And she always walked to my mom's house to have tea with my mother. Do not judge anyone for their appearance or what they are or are not because you don't know them. You don't know their heart. God only knows their heart. Lead the guidance of Holy Spirit in this walk for you. Let the Holy Spirit do that. Don't try to make a judgment for what you see in this world. And this is what the word of God tells us that we need to do. We need to understand that the Holy Spirit will show us things and lead us things. And don't judge by what we see physically. We have to have the scales removed from our eyes so that we can see by the Spirit and the Spirit will guide us, brothers and sisters. We have to have faith in that. That is having faith in God.
And that's what we need. Brothers and sisters, I love you. You have a good and blessed day. How I've reached the end of my time.